0: fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad.
1: High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. His knowledge of the cocaine trade and in general the drug trade, not just Italian, is massive. So I would assume the Irish want to speak with him. The Taghi relationship developed first and then the Kinahan relationship developed later also because of Dubai. You can take down Imperiale, you can take down Tagi, you will take down Kinahan at some point.
0: I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Italian mob boss Raphael Imperiale spent years living it up in Dubai and doing business with members of the so-called super cartel, including Dutch drug baron Ridwan Taji and Daniel Kinahan. But police hacks into encrypted phone networks made a bulletproof case against him for the Italians and now he's decided to cooperate to reduce his term in prison there. But what will Imperiale say and how many of Europe's top crime bosses can he implicate? Dr. Anna Sergi, an organized crime professor at the University of Essex, has read the prosecution files against Imperiale, and she says that while they concentrate on huge movements of cocaine into Italy and the Netherlands, they also mention an Irish business partnership focused on Rotterdam Port. Today, Dr. Sergi tells me about Imperiale and the threat he now poses to a litany of top-tier drug gangs across the world. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. I only know of the existence of Raphael Imperiale because of the existence of Daniel Kinahan and uh, because we were told that they came together with others to form this your, your so-called European super cartel. But a little bit, you have a bit of background on him and where he came out of.
1: Yes. So Rafael Imperiale is a strange man, <laughs> in the sense that he's been uh, mostly unknown to the Italian authorities as well for a long time. But the moment he became known, it was kind of uh, he had it was very obvious that he had the pedigree to become what he has become. So he has become one of the most important narco traffickers uh, of the world. And his uh, origins are very much the reason why he has become that. So he was born in an area just below Naples uh, in Italy. Uh, he's fairly young, he's 40 something, I think. Um, and he has, um, since the very beginning, it was a very kind of low level. Um, Criminal in a way. He used to be well known because he sold um, water at the football events. His father owned a football team. Um, He he was linked to some uh, criminal activity in the area, his father. but then again, you know, is imprinting in the criminal world wasn't that uh, successful since the very beginning. Uh, however, things change uh, the moment, obviously, in which uh, he grew, and at the same time, um, the criminal groups around him were also growing. Um, so, in um, in a way, it comes, as I said. Um, from uh, a family that was uh, well-known and gets connected at some point, his family and himself, to a clan in the area uh, of Castellammare di Stabia, where he is from. Um, So essentially he becomes uh, all of a sudden this very sort of um, well-known young man of a newly formed uh, criminal group. Uh, okay. So the the voice are, the rumours are that it was also, uh, there was also an attempt to kidnap him, uh, to ask for ransom when he was younger. But that didn't go through. But that also gave us an idea of what is, where his family, how they were growing. There is, uh, let's say, luck was the, if one can say that, um is the death of his brother. His brother dies in 1996 and leaves him uh, with a coffee shop, uh, Rockland, in Amsterdam. So that's when uh, Rafael Imperiale, as I said, he didn't quite have a career of his own. He was always living off his father. Um, Mm -hmm. That's when he moved. uh, And that's when he becomes, essentially, uh, he starts nourishing these relationships in in the Netherlands. Uh, And that's where things change for him.
0: And the very significant year, 96, and those years after it, it's the beginning really of the cocaine boom. And you have a lot of, uh, you have Amsterdam really becoming the centre of the universe for those cocaine traffickers. You have Colombian exporters uh, setting up cell units there so they can deal directly with the buyers. And uh, I suppose you could say it's the golden era is beginning.
1: Yes, it is. And it's actually the golden era also for the Italians. Because two things happen at the same time, uh, as always, more than two things happen at the same time. But in that case, uh, so he managed, uh, first of all, to he never really severe the relationship back home. So he becomes an affiliate or uh, let's say a very strong um External member uh, of a Neapolitan clan. Uh, so this Neapolitan clan, uh, with the Amato Pagani, uh, is the one of the clans that is mostly associated with uh, a very um, cruel mafia war that happened in the city of Naples, which is known as the secessionist, um, so the separatist of Secondigliano. Secondigliano is an area in Naples. Uh, The Amato Pagani were essentially fighting with the Dilauros for territory and for drugs, essentially, because, as you said, it was the period where everyone wanted to invest in drugs and wanted a piece of the cake. And so he he was there and helping the Amato Pagani become the drug traffickers that they became. And the Amato Pagani were also known as the Spanish ones because they set up business in Marbella and they were hiding in Malaga. And, you know, a lot of their um, laundering was in Spain at the time, uh, which became essentially a golden era again for drug trafficking through Spain into the Netherlands and obviously through the rest of Europe, so they completely bypassed um, the other routes of cocaine that Italy was having, because by having a foot in the Spanish uh, trafficking route and the Dutch ones, they basically managed to cut their own piece of the cake from the Drangeta, for example, which instead were using uh, Italian ports and Italian routes. So in that case, uh, is uh, being a foreigner. But also being very much in tune with the Neapolitan underworld uh, basically gave him a power that no one else had uh, at the time. And it shows.
0: (laughs) So did he essentially set up his own mafia? Unit that hadn't previously existed.
1: I wouldn't say it was a mafia, but it definitely set up a drug trafficking organization which included mafias, but was way beyond that. So the Amato Pagani are a, a very important clans of the Camorra, but uh, Raffaele Imperiale is not a subject of the Amato Pagani. Is it uh, um, became? It was a client first, but then it became the one who basically dictated the Amato Pagani. Uh, let's say, flows of drugs. Uh, He became, at some point, more powerful than the people he was working for uh, in terms of reach and network. So his own uh, network was um, peaking uh, in the mid-2000s, 2008, 2012, let's say, so at the turn of the last decade. Um, And uh, even when uh, he had some problems with the Amato Pagani, some people didn't pay the debts or... Many of them were arrested in 2016. Uh, he still had a lot more going on than just them. So definitely mm. he had set up a whole other system um, which was fully international. It wasn't mm. just the Italians. Honestly, I don't consider him a camorrista. He's not a camorrista. He's not even a mafia boss. Is um, as a drug trafficker. Is a very high-level right. broker.
0: And sh- showing for sure that it's the transport routes and the uh, contacts that are really what makes somebody powerful within that world. Um, does he ever come back to Italy, or is he? Does he mainly stay in Netherlands, Spain, and obviously we know he eventually went to Dubai. Yeah,
1: exactly. So his luck is obviously Dubai. Is um, uh, the center of his network is Dubai, uh, and is Dubai also the, the reason why or the moment when uh, his relationship with Daniel Kinahan uh, solidify? And clearly the ones with Ridwan Taghi were already there since um, the Netherlands. Uh, But clearly Dubai is the turning point when he has so much money that he doesn't know what to do with it. And he has to set up, um, well, he has to call a very famous architect to build 10 villas of 10 million euros each to launder his money in Dubai. So Dubai was definitely another level for him. Uh, nice. But um, Italy is always there. He has a house uh, in Castellammare di Stabia. Um, and one of the things that everyone learns very soon from oh, about Rafael Imperiale is that uh, they found uh, two Van Gogh paintings in his house in Castellammare di Stabia. The, those were stolen from uh, Amsterdam, from the museum in Amsterdam in 2002, 2003, if I remember correctly, and were found in his house in um, in, in Italy. Uh, so he has this, um, he learns very soon that the less he comes back to Italy, the better for him. Uh, mm. Obviously, he was um, not unknown to the Italian authorities uh, at, at some point. Uh, he was reached by a number of arrest warrant. Um, he was a fugitive when he was caught. Um, so clearly, yeah, at some point, his choice was obvious uh, to leave Italy.
0: So he's a classic um, case and similar really to Rido and Taji, similar to Daniel Kinahan, similar to Eden Gassinen. They are all running and directing major organisations from outside the territories and they are moving around. And by the time, really, certainly our police, maybe the Italians, the Spanish, the Dutch decide they really got to get these guys because they're actually becoming so incredibly powerful. They have at that point migrated to the United Arab Emirates, where they essentially all get another five years. Yes.
1: I mean, uh, Raffaele Imperiale moved to Dubai in 2013 and he was only arrested. Um, and then it took another year to extradite him uh, two years ago. So obviously, you know, there is a, a, an element of it's not really a surprise. There is an element of... Um, Uh, the the so-called elephant in the room with these guys, which is now obviously the case for uh, Kinahan, but Kinahan is a different story. But Rafael Imperiale was there and was known to be there uh, for a while before anyone managed to actually catch him. And as I said, he wasn't really hiding. He had a massive villa. Uh, He was building 10 more villas. I mean, he wasn't exactly, you know, uh, playing safe.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the same way as uh, as Daniel Kinnahan, because the Americans were able to give out his address in Dubai when they sanctioned him um, and others, I mean, his exact address where he was living, you know, but um, so Raphael Imperiali, he's wanted in Italy. So Italy sets up an investigation. Is that to do with the amount of drugs he's bringing in, or is it to do with the Van Gogh paintings? Both. Uh,
1: these are two separate ones. But I think the one that is now bringing him to collaborate with justice. Spoiler alert: is collaborating, um, and it's, it's really about the drugs. So we are talking here, and you know, I've seen the documents. They are all about his uh, movements, uh, who he was talking to, and. They were only made possible through the, the, the encryption of his communication in the Operation EncroChat, which was a big operation that Europol coordinated with Italian police and uh, the Dutch, the French, uh, partially the, the UK with Operation Manetic, Ireland. So it's, it's, a very, it's a really big uh, operation, mm. one of the first ones that managed to de-encrypt Uh, Underworld communication and imperiale is um, you can see all his um, life in there. He speaks uh, under pseudonyms uh, with with people he doesn't even know who they are, but he trusts out of the pseudonym. It's all about. people who entrust him with other contacts. is about the amount of drugs he manages to move. He doesn't get out of his house, essentially, but he's right. constantly on the phone uh, fixing stuff. Um, he has some issues, some problems with... Is um, suspected to have directed some uh, murders as well, uh, people who didn't pay, uh, who owed him millions of euros of drugs, uh, and obviously no one wants that, so is mafia bringing... Uh, shows uh here and there um but he's also very much, uh, so these communications are very much about uh, using uh, the Italian ports at some point uh, to uh, coordinate um, some of these drugs arriving. So he's very good at diversifying. He has at least three or four different avenues for drugs, uh, for especially for cocaine and ashish and, um, and cannabis. And he doesn't always use the same. He has several partners, including Drangheta plans um, in the north of Italy and in the south of Italy. And that's really what the Italian authorities are gunning him for. So the amount of cocaine brought to Milan uh, and the amount of cocaine brought through Italian ports more generally, which are one piece of the puzzle, of the European puzzle, but nevertheless, a a very good one, which still show that even if he's um, an international trafficker, of course, his Italian origins mean that he has easier access to certain Italian roots, of
0: course. And some of those clans you're mentioning probably have a, a bit of politics between them and a bit of arguments between them. But yet, when it comes to business, there is no such thing as that. Everybody is a customer once they have the money. Yeah.
1: One of the fun things, if one can say that, uh, that I read in these uh, documents is that he was dealing with um, a clan of the Ndrangheta, the Mamoliti clan, which is a very historical clan, and they uh, it, Historically, import, uh, various types of narcotics through Calabria in the south of Italy into Milan. Uh, but it became such a um, good relationship, the one that one of the brokers of the Mammoliti had with Imperiale, that they basically set up a side business. And the Calabrian guy, so the Drangheta guy, says to him, uh, we need to be careful here because if my relatives, as in my family, my mafia family knows what I'm doing here with you, they would kill me. As in, I'm p- putting in so much drugs and so much money on this side business that I'm actually doing it against, you know, not against, but without my family knowing, uh, which gives you also an idea of what type of business um, it was into. There is no alliance, no real, mm-hmm. you know, honor, there's nothing of that sort. It's pure money and business. And uh, he, he drags people in into this logic, um, including former, you know, classic former mafia people. So it's it's quite
0: interesting to see. For sure. And like interesting as well that you mentioned that he was doing all business on the phone. And of course he was. And, and so are many of them. Any of them that have kind of gone up the scale are in, in that big league they have to be doing it on the phones. It makes total sense that they were on Anchor Chat phones and later on the Sky ECC phones and why the the uh, authorities, the, the police went for those phones in such a big way to try and decrypt them. Because, um, of course, they have to sit in their villas and not go out because their lives are under threat in some ways from rivals and also from police. And they, they their world becomes so small, really, doesn't it? The bigger they get, the richer they get. Um, the files you're talking about, is this the investigation file, sort of the prosecution case against? raphael imperiale and and if so how have you got to see it yeah well
1: the, the, these uh these files are were circulated among media and therefore if you have the right contact in the media you can access them when um the news broke that uh, imperiale was starting to cooperate with justice which was a few months ago this was a massive piece of news of course obviously i mean uh yeah. his, his knowledge of the cocaine trade and In general, the drug trade, not just Italian, is massive. So I can only imagine that there is a queue now outside the Naples anti-mafia office to speak with him. I would assume the Irish want to speak with him, the... um, Various Italian prosecutors want to speak with him. The American wants to speak with him. So it's going to be a big one and it's uh, there. So this is the case basically that led to, um, his arrest or more generally is, um, arrest and then agreement to collaborate. Um, okay. and it contains some of the chats. Uh, so the Italian documents when they, the, the arrest warrant, let's say, uh, are very rich. So the document, um, which i have in front of me is about 900 pages right. um and it's uh it's filled with um interceptions in this case um and crochet, uh and uh, it, it basically follows the logic that the prosecutors are fo- are basically to recon- reconstruct who is this guy what did he do and how do we know what we know so there yeah. are things here also about his private life uh the kind of um he sent pictures of himself with a girl to some other friends. So, you know, he's also not necessarily, he's a, he's a man of his age. Um, he's not necessarily a cautious uh, drug trafficker. Yeah. He thought he was fully protected by EncroChat. So he uses EncroChat also for his personal communication. Um which, you know is, a, is an interesting insight into into the guy
0: and does he enjoy life in in Dubai with his 10 houses worth 10 million each and how does he
1: <laughs> uh apparently so he has a, he, he talks very you know um in, in more than one occasion uh he talks about his house and um the kind of house he wants he he describes the house he invites people over uh to visit him mostly Italians um so he is very willing to show off, uh, which it, it fits the, you know, the profile, I guess.
0: Yeah. And Italians are are sort of known here as being very family people. Um, does he have, does he have a, does he have his family with him? Does he, is he married? Does he, What what's his circumstances?
1: He has, he has women. Um am yeah. not sure about his uh, status, honestly, but he sends yeah. pictures of himself with a variety of women. That's for sure. Right. So he he seems to be living quite a good life at least until he was obviously caught.
0: Yeah. And um so Anchor Chat I think happened in 2019 from memory Sky ECG followed in 2020 maybe 21. Uh he moved from the Anchor Chat network to the Sky network um is he feeling as confident on that, or is he a little bit more wary when he goes to that?
1: Uh, honestly, I wouldn't know, but I think there is a there are very various things in here that kind of um, you know make us wonder. Uh, so, for example, they, there is a conversation in um, in um, early two thousand and twenty one. So we are already two years after um, Encrochat, and also. Um, I think two years after Ridwan Taghi has been arrested. Uh, and uh, Raphael Imperial is talking to um, the son of uh, Taghi. And uh, he's also talking, he's still talking through uh, Anchor Chat. Uh, so he's, uh, he knows that the son of tagi is must be at the very least under surveillance mm. because his his father has been arrested uh less than 2 years before um and he's and the son is also involved into trafficking as well um so he's also part of the marengo trial in the netherlands so they they are talking and they are essentially talking in a very broken english by the way um mm. and he says uh you know he says things about uh, the transferring or arranging the transport from Italy to Holland. They are talking about drugs. Uh, uh, is saying, "Oh, I will pay them. I will send my transport from Italy to Holland. I'm quoting with my under my responsibility. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to take any risk. So it's very, you know, brazen about it all. It's not. It, it doesn't take much." Um, interpretation honestly so he's talking to the number 1 wanted man in the Netherlands one year and a half after his father has been arrested and you know the whole thing broke the hell broke loose so yeah. he's not using any form of um yeah uh, caution
0: yeah yeah well, I suppose at that point, what can they do? I mean, obviously, it would be of interest to us if there's any mention of Daniel Kinahan, if he's have any, having any conversations with him. You've gone through 900 pages of files. I'm sure there's absolutely loads there. You've probably not been able to...
1: Interestingly, I'm going to cut mm. right there. No, there is no Kinahan mm. mention. But mm. yeah, I think it's normal. I think it's because the network, they're follow- obviously, the, the arrest warrant is only about what they can prove and what they the kind of links they can have um the from what i know but you'll know probably more than me um while the t the uh you know the taggy situation was more of a partnership uh in terms of i bring you stuff you bring me stuff you allow me so there was both gave each other mm-hmm. something with Kinahan, i think it was more of a um, Let's partner up when we need to, so each has their own. However, there is a passage um, in, um, let's say, as a summary, which I think was interesting, because they said that it was in 2017 that Imperiale is um, setting up his main joint venture with uh, some uh, paramilitaries from the Gulf clan uh, in uh, Colombia and uh, specifically with Tagi and uh, some other uh, members of Tagi's group in the Netherlands. Um, and at the same time, Imperiale was aware that new criminal group or other criminal group were uh, establishing themselves uh, through the ports of Rotterdam and Antwerp, and especially linked to Irish criminal groups, which, mm-hmm. of course, I take it to mean the Kinahans. Um, and therefore, the channels of supply of cocaine uh, required them to get in touch with these other groups first. So, I think the reconstructions that the Italians are having in terms of timeline is that the Taghi relationship developed first, and then the Kinahan relationship developed later, also because of Dubai. Because yeah. at that time, uh, he was already in Dubai. So I think it was a kind of a second step, uh, or okay. at least that's what it looks like. And
0: they're, they're kind of centering that around 2017, which, of course, was the year of the famous uh, Burj al-Arab wedding of Daniel Kinahan, which Raphael Imperiale attended. Um, so he's, look, there's so much of interest here, but particularly You say everybody in Italy kind of got a bit of a shock when he turned witness or he's going to cooperate with the state. I'm sure people in the underworld got an absolute jolt of lightning when they realized that he can bury everybody. And um, does it mean this case that the Italians had built against him? I mean, obviously, there has to be something in it for him.
1: Yes. Uh, I think we are still waiting what's in it for him, but this probably has to do with the prison sentence. Uh, the Italian system for someone like him, who is, uh, is is not just for drugs trafficking, he was already and he still will face mafia offences. And if you face mafia offences of this type by coordinating and promoting a drug trafficking organisation, you are looking at complete isolation in, in jail. We have a system um, that is very... Punitive for um, Mafia offenders. Um, and I think he's way too young to face that, or he feels he might feel that. So normally yeah. the negotiation, learning from the past, is about the prison sentence. And the prison privileges is looking at a very long sentence. So probably negotiating that is his um, you know, is his, his point at this stage. But I think. Um I don't, honestly, I think he will be more of, in, of an interesting person for foreigners than for Italians. Italians, uh, I, I wouldn't say they already know what he is or what he does, uh, but most of the people he engaged in Italy are already well-known uh, Italian, um, you know, m- macro clans, so he's talking, yeah. we are talking about the Amato Pagani, who is a massive clan of the of the Camorra, we are talking about some clans of the Ndrangheta, so these are people who have already uh, spin-off investigations on them anyway, but I think it would be very interesting for the UK, for Ireland, for the US for sure, um, and the Netherlands, uh, because he, he can really clarify how the drug trade uh, worked, not just through mm-hmm. him, but thanks to him as well with the others. So I don't I don't necessarily believe in the super cartel. I don't think the super cartel is such a rational entity, but I can see that obviously in the drug trade, everyone is the same until they aren't the same and someone is more important than others. Um,
0: And also it'll be interesting to see how political it becomes with the information he has to offer, you know, because presumably he's in Italy now, the Italians have him. They could certainly use him to just go after their own problems or Do they reach out the hand of friendship to Europol, to Europe and to offer him if he if he's willing to be offered to help other countries secure jail terms for people who have been as untouchable as he once was?
1: Well, I think the fact that uh, Europol was involved from the beginning in the Encrochat investigation kind of gives already a partial answer to that, it, I think he will mm. be expected to at least engage with European partners. Uh, again, how much he can get more, uh, eventually it's Italy that has to grant him stuff. You can't; yeah. it's not, France cannot promise anything, unless, let's say, there are grounds for him to be uh, prosecuted in Ireland or in France or mm. wherever else, and uh, that is a different story, but so far... I think the it's the Italian who have still the the political um, leverage on him because he's gonna be jailed in Italy. So.
0: They've been incredible times of late in in organized crime. I think they have been. You know, in a way, I suppose the bad guys, the criminals, had their golden era, and now we're starting to see the police and and the authorities and the justice system and that. Sort of cooperation of Europe coming together, and it's it's beginning to look like a golden age for, for them.
1: Yes, I think this uh, the revolution of uh, managing to access and decrypt and crochet, SkyCC, Annum, which wasn't in Europe, but you know, it's America, North America, Australia. Uh, I think there really is a massive blow um, because that essentially means communication. You can't assume communication is um, is secret anymore, is encrypted anymore. So we already saw this when before uh, law enforcement being able to um, to use evidence from WhatsApp. And now then they could use WhatsApp, so they moved into encrypted communication. Now we can. It's not that easy, but we can go into the encrypted communication as well. So uh, the question is, what's next? Uh, mm-hmm. So eventually, what's next is the big question. Because oh, clearly, um, you can take down Imperiale, you can take down Tagi, you will take down Kinahan at some point. Uh, I'm pretty sure of it, but someone else will run the business. Some, the business is not going to go down. Uh, so it's, it's only a matter of uh, understanding the new tools and uh, what, is the future of this? Uh, but for now, I, we think. I think we do have the upper end for now.
0: Yes, exactly. It's a constant battle, and I mean, you'd wonder. Like sometimes, it's good to go back to the old school ways and actually meeting somebody for a chat could be kind of safer in the near future. Anyway. Well, that's,
1: uh, that's the Italian way. That's always been the Italian way to meet over lunch and dinners and uh, weddings and funerals and all of that. So that was the reason why mafias were so impenetrable for a long time. So maybe that's the, that's the way for we sure. go back abandoning the socials and
0: the future of Raphael Imperiali is also something that will be of interest to to anybody to see what what is what does he do I mean it's an extraordinary life he's lived so far Um, and it sounds like the next few years for him is going to really cement him in organized crime history for years to come well
1: I think it's all uh, also the last uh, element of this is uh, catching up on his money Uh, imperial had an empire of cash and this cash was partially already known in terms of investments he had several companies set up in dubai um, lots of real estate here and there in holland so i think half of the job now for law enforcement apart talking to him is to try and and get back the money in uh, which yeah. every law enforcement wants to get back the money. But in this case, the money is a lot. So that's also going to be some political decision there. Um,
0: yeah. Who gets what, where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, thank you so much for your time t- today, Anna. And we shall talk again soon.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro?